This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Oh, that was awesome, huh? Go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. How are you? Oh, you're better than that. How are you? There you go. Yes. You know what? It's been a long week. Okay, those of you who know me well, um, I just want to say to those of you who are brand new, my name is Ron. I'm the founding pastor of our church, and it's my privilege to get to be our current pastor of our church. And it's not everyone who gets to say I've actually pastored this church twice. So uh, that's a great privilege for me. Um, It's been an eventful week for my family and me. Um, My wife had a heart attack about a week ago. Uh, She had a triple bypass surgery on Monday, which was my birthday. How's that for a birthday present? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And she got released from the hospital yesterday. And it was, yes. And it was our 51st wedding anniversary. So when I get home, you know what I'm going to say to her? Apparently, it is all about you, (laughs) Um, as it should be. Uh, So many of you have asked how she's doing. She's doing perfectly. The surgeon, yes, I know. That's such a great thing. The surgeon said that that surgery was ideal in every way. He said, your heart is so strong, it has a rich blood supply now, and everything went exactly as we hoped it would, uh, and you should feel way better here shortly. So we are very, very grateful for that. If you've been following our story, that's after four cancer surgeries and chemo, and it's been a tough year for Monica for sure, and... Uh, But God willing, we have no medical procedures to go through for the next four months. So, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very happy about that. Many of you have asked how I am. I'm actually great. Challenged, yes, but great. Um, And I know a lot of you have been concerned with all that. Am I going to be able to pastor the church? Is it going to be too much for me? I just want to say one thing, okay? No, two. I'm a pastor. That's how that works, all right? Uh, Number one, God never puts anything on our plate that's bigger than he can help us handle, okay? It's one thing for me to stand up here as a pastor and preach and teach that. It's another thing to actually live that out, okay? And so even though this has been a really hard season, Um, I'm happy to say that everything I've preached to you about God showing up and walking with you through whatever comes your way in this life, I'm happy to say I can tell you firsthand it is still true. Okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, have you ever done something and in doing it, you just have this feeling I was made for this. You've had that feeling before, right? Okay. 
When you're wondering if I'm pastoring the church again, is that too much for me? I just want you to know I'm made for this. Okay? So, so we have some fun stuff to cover. I first of all want to welcome those of you who are watching online. I know it's hard not to be here, and I know it seems a little bit removed, but I want to encourage you as you're watching this morning, if you're tempted to be out in the garden and weeding and having this going in the background, I'm not going to make you feel guilty about that, but I want to say you'll get so much more from it if you will take a break from your weeding, go find a shady place, that sounds terrible, a shady place to watch a teacher, right? Okay, I'll let you sort that out, okay? Um, but go find a place where you can relax and then and really press in. For those of you who are here, a very special welcome, and especially for those of you who are here for the very first time. I want to tell you something about new life. For whatever reason, this is a church that God uses to change people's lives every week, okay? And this is no exception, okay? It's our prayer that you will encounter God this morning. And when you do, something will change in your heart. And when that happens, we're delighted that it was new life that he used, but we wanna be very clear about this. Nobody here, not me, not the worship band, not anybody else, none of us here has the ability to change your heart. Only God can do that. When you feel your heart changing, I want you to know that's him. Okay? Now, we are in a series about the kingdom of Jesus. It is the most exciting thing on the face of planet Earth. Listen, before we get into that, do you realize the unlikelihood of the kingdom of Jesus doing what it's done. Jesus walked the face of our earth as a human being for a little over 30 years. He had a ministry that was just barely over three years long. He lived in an obscure country on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. He didn't really travel outside his country. He, he, he never once spoke with a public address system like we have. He never really personally wrote a book that you could go down and it's got Jesus listed as the author. Although if you own a Bible, he actually is the author, okay? All right? <clears throat> and yet, today, as I stand before you, okay, the kingdom of Jesus is the largest single enterprise on the face of planet Earth. It dwarfs Walmart. Okay? I know Elon Musk, I know I don't know him, but I know who he is. Uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. I, I, these people are crazy wealthy and they have established major organizations 
But I want you to know right here that nothing Jeff Bezos has done in size compares to the kingdom of Jesus on the face of planet Earth. That's amazing. Nothing that Elon Musk has done or ever will do will ever compare in size to the kingdom of Jesus on the face of planet Earth. Now consider this. Nothing that Amazon does and nothing that Tesla does or any of their associated enterprises actually changes people's lives. It might change how they get from A to B. It might change how they shop. But it won't change the quality of their marriage. The kingdom of Jesus does. And on top of that, if you could do it, come back in 2,000 years and see if there even is a Tesla. Got it? Or Amazon. Jesus is the king of kings. No comparison. Are you on board with that? That is awesome. Yes. Now, that much for free. Now I'm going to actually really teach you, okay? <clears throat> Let's go back and do a little review. Take a look at the screen. The kingdom of Jesus is this beautiful, wonderful, messy place. And it's all of those. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, but it's messy too because it's a mixture of heaven and earth. And that's a little bit like oil and water. You, you, you realize that, right? Heaven is beautiful and pure and earth, well, not so much, okay? Secondly, it's filled with people and we all bring our own brokenness with us. I know, you, we didn't check you at the door for your carry-on luggage, but you brought it anyway, right? You got your own unique package of brokenness, okay? Going on, Jesus calls us to hold some very high values that sometimes pull us in different directions. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, the value of truth and the value of love. And I was sitting with some teenagers and I said, do you ever have a conflict and you feel like you should tell somebody something because you actually care about them, but you're actually afraid to because it will be embarrassing? You know the one they could relate to? Here it is. You ever, ever, ever looked at someone and you wanted to tell them, your flies down? <laughs> How much do you love them? <laughs> because that could be an awkward thing to say, right? And yet, if you really love them, you ain't going to walk around like that. Yeah, so we have this tension that it's in us all the time, okay? And last of all, holding these values in a healthy balance or tension brings out the best in both. And we're going to look at a number of things. And this morning, we're going to look at the tension between brokenness and transformation. So I'll start with a couple of questions. Number one, have you ever told yourself that you were never going to do that again and then found yourself doing it? Anybody in that category? Yes, if you're human and you can raise your hand, it should be up. Either that or you don't tell yourself much, okay? Because we've all had that feeling, all right? But also, have you ever been surprised and deeply pleased 
by something you did that was completely unselfish. Have you ever had that feeling? Sure you have. Here's the real question. Here it is. So which is the real you? The one who's the jerk who keeps doing the thing you don't want to do? Or the one that actually does something beautiful and wonderful and completely unselfish that surprises even you? Oh, yeah. So we're going to press into that. That's the combination of our brokenness and our transformation. Here's the truth. In the kingdom of Jesus, we are a messy and beautiful combination of both brokenness and transformation. Now take a look at this picture. This is a table in my office. It's a very st special table to me because I designed it myself. I built it myself in my wood shop and it's built out of Sipo mahogany from the Philippines, okay? Now, I can tell you it is a beautiful combination of both beauty and imperfection. And no one knows that better than me. I made it. I know where all the imperfections are. Okay? And yet, when people come into my office, they look at it and it has the general appearance of beauty. And they will say to me, that's a gorgeous table. Where did you get that? And that's a question I love to answer. <laughs> well, actually, I designed and made it myself. Now, th there's another whole teaching that will come out of this at some future point that we are God's craftsmanship, his masterpiece, actually, created in Christ Jesus. So when people see the beautiful things that you do and the beautiful things that I do, and they say, where did that come from? God loves to answer that question. I made them. I am transforming them. And yet, there is this other side of us and even a guy like the Apostle Paul that I know we've all heard of, one of Jesus' closest and most devout followers, one day when he was feeling particularly transparent about his own life, look at what he wrote. Here it is on the screen. Paul says, it happens to me so regularly that it's predictable. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, you may have considered that this morning when the alarm went off for you to come to church. But you did the right thing. Good for you, all right? He goes on to say, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. Wow, this is Paul struggling with his own brokenness. And this is Paul after he's been a Christian for quite a number of years. This is Paul <clears throat> after he's preached for a number of years. This is Paul after he has started a bunch of churches and pastored them. And he said, and yet, this is me. And he ends up by saying, I'm at the end of my rope. 
Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Now, take your eyes off the screen for just a minute and let's pause and get something straight. There's probably not a person in our audience who hasn't at one time tried to act like a Christian by yourself. I am going to do this for God. I've done that a bunch. You know what? I am just like Paul. <laughs> the things I want to do, no matter how determined I am to do these, somehow I can't do them consistently. And the things I don't want to do, sometimes at the most inopportune times, they pop up. Oh, there I am again. Paul said, is there any way out of this trap? I'm trying to be as good as I can be. Thank God that's not where the passage ends. Let's read the next part. He goes on to say the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can do something about it, and he does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something that is totally different. And then he tacks this on the end, which is so awesome. Now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has liberated you from the power of sin that leads to death. Without getting too deeply into theology, I want you to understand the concept of bondage. The scripture teaches very clearly that apart from Jesus, we are in bondage to sin. Not that it's the only thing we do, but that it's the thing that ultimately seizes control of our life. But when we choose to follow Jesus, he puts the, spout, the power of sin in, uh, of the Spirit into our life and the Spirit breaks the bondage to sin. Not that we don't ever sin again, it's not that, but that ultimately sin will not have power over us. Everybody on board with that? That's why you want to follow Jesus. It's the only path to real freedom. Okay? We're going to talk about two biblical words today that probably everybody in the audience has heard, but most of us would be hard-pressed to actually write a real definition of either one, and probably most of us would struggle with trying to figure out what the difference between the two of them is. And the, the words are justification and sanctification. Who's heard of those words before? Yeah, pretty much everybody in our audience, okay? They are a beautiful tandem that work together, and I hope to lay out that picture for us today because they are God's wonderful plan for dealing with our brokenness and resourcing our transformation, okay? And that's why we need both. In Hebrews chapter 10, this is what the author writes. By one offering... God forever made perfect, that is justified, those who are being made holy, and that is the idea of sanctification or 
are being sanctified. How does that all work? Well, the best way is for us just to lay out some couplets of how they, how they actually work together. So the first one you'll see on the screen right now, justification has to do with our status with God in heaven. Doesn't have anything to do with what happens down here on earth. Okay, in short, we call Jesus Savior, which means he's saving us from something. If I came to any one of you and I said to you, quick, I'm here to save you. What are you going to ask me? From what? And I'm not really feeling in danger. I'm in the auditorium of a church. But no one is in such great danger as the person who doesn't realize that they actually are in danger. There is this thing called eternal life that God is creating. And the only way it can be eternal is for it to be completely free of sin and anything defiled. All of us want it. <laughs> We're sure counting on it that there's life after this life. But all of us are also sinners. How many of you can see the problem? We got a problem. We can't get in. And Jesus comes along and says, I will be your savior. I will save you from being held outside the kingdom of God in eternity. And I will make a way for you to come in because I can justify, I can rectify your sin through my death. And justification, therefore, has to do with my status before God. Am I saved? Are my sins forgiven? Okay? Sanctification, on the other hand, has to do with the status of our life on earth. Have you ever met Christians that you were pretty sure were not very sanctified? Have you ever seen one of those in the mirror? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the good news, we're going to get to this in a little bit, is that God is working on that. And the longer we walk with Jesus, the more he changes the quality of our life on this earth. Justification says I'm forgiven. Sanctification says I'm being changed. Okay, let's go to the next couplet. Justification is something that's done by God for us. Walk with me. It's the day of judgment. I'm standing before God. And God says to me, Ron, are your sins forgiven? And I say to him, I forgave myself. Think that's going to fly? Uh, no, because it's not whether I've forgiven myself or somebody else down here forgave me. Justification is about God forgiving me. And friend, you can't make God forgive you. That's his choice. And he has said, I will forgive you through my son. Sanctification is done through our partnership with God. 
You can't get in a corner and pray and say, okay, God, dump a boatload of transformation on me. I'm ready. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're changed. No, this is a partnership. It's done step by step. It's a lifelong process that God invites us into. And friends, it's rich, it's sweet, it's challenging. <clears throat> there's, there's plenty of trial in it, but it's beautiful. Anything that is rewarding in this life requires effort. Have you figured that out yet? Yeah. Sanctification is the beautiful gift of God that he gives as you walk in partnership with him. Let's take the next couplet. Justification is immediate and complete. Baptism pictures really our justification in the beginning of our sanctification when we baptize people. Okay? When I choose to follow Jesus and Jesus says, I'll forgive you of your sins, is he forgiving some of my sins or all of them? All of you got that. Right. 100%, right? Yeah. It's not all but one. It's all. Because it's immediate and it's complete. Sanctification, however, is a lifelong process. It's ongoing and it's progressive. And, oh yeah, you have a card. Don't turn it over yet. Look at you. Some of you already did, I know. Okay? We're going to get to it in a minute, okay? But it has this wonderful statement that you're going to love and I hope resonates with you throughout the week. Going on, let's take the next one. Justification is forgiveness through Christ. Sanctification, sanctification is the formation of Christ in us. God doesn't want you to just act like Jesus. He wants the formation of Jesus in you. And when Christ is formed in you and in me, our behavior takes care of itself. Does that make sense to everybody? It's a beautiful thing. Let's take another couplet. Justification is our, you know, the result of our initial choice to trust Christ. Sanctification, however, requires a daily choice to walk with Christ. Can you be transparent and honest at church? Please do. I don't want the lightning to strike, okay? How many of you have ever had a day when somehow you chose not to walk with Jesus? You knew he wanted you to do something and you decided to do something else. Anybody do that? My hand's up. I've done that, right? On that day, I somehow chose not to participate in the sanctification process of God's Spirit in my life. I took a break from it. It doesn't mean I'm condemned to hell, but it does mean I lost an opportunity to have Christ formed in me. Okay? This is really important. Take a look at this couplet. Justification is about my identity. We're going to come back to this a lot in just a minute. But it's about who I am now in Jesus. Sanctification is about my beauty. It's about this wonderful thing that God is forming in me that people, when they interact with me, 
are going to be drawn to me and they're going to sense that there's something going on in my life that that is different from the normal run-of-the-mill human being. And that's the way it's supposed to be. It's about the beauty that Christ is creating in me. Now, there are lots of these couplets, but I want to bring this teaching to a close by what Paul wrote to his good friends in the city of Philippi. He said this, I am certain that God who began a good work in you will carry it on, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I want you to know that. Paul didn't just write that to the people in Philippi. He actually wrote that for you as well. That God who has begun a good work in you, who has made you such a wonderful people, is going to continue working in your life and making you more and more like Jesus. The song we sang this morning, I want to be like you more and more and more. That's what this is about. So in this message, there's both good news and bad news. Okay, are you ready? Here's the good news. We are being transformed. Is that good? That's awesome. Here's the bad news. Because our transformation is not yet complete, we're still broken somewhat. And you know what? As you get close to me, you will begin to uncover some of my brokenness because I'm not going to try to hide it. I will share it with you. I can share it with you because there's no condemnation now. There's no shame now. For those of us who are in Christ, we can just be real. It's not that I'm proud of my brokenness, but I've learned to accept that being broken is part of being human. And that's a good thing. Here's the scripture I want to close with. It says, you have all received a spirit that you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Remember I talked a while ago about breaking the bondage to sin? The Spirit of God breaks that bondage. It goes on to say, instead, you have received God's Spirit when He adopted you, what? Would you read that out loud? As His own children. Wow. Now we call Him Abba Father, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Not partially, not kind of. We are adopted into God's family. That means we are royalty. Did you get that? We, we don't always feel like that though, right? We are royalty. So look at this. In the kingdom of Jesus, we have been adopted into a royal family but we don't know how to behave very royally sometimes. Are you on board with that? And we are learning to become royalty. Now, please, for a minute, don't think royalty is puffing up your chest and thinking you're better than everybody else 
and walking around with boatloads of money and power. That might be royalty like it is often on this earth. Heavenly royalty is so different. Heavenly royalty. Jesus said it like this. If you want to be greatest, you have to become the servant of everyone. That, my friends, is royal behavior. We, in the kingdom of Jesus, get to walk in this beautiful tension of both brokenness and transformation. And if we're all broken and there's no transformation, it doesn't work. And if we think we've been completely transformed, we have deceived ourselves, correct? We have to embrace both. Now you can take the card and turn it over. Okay? It says, and I want you to take this with you, and I want you to read it several times this week. I'm not what I ought to be, and I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God what? I'm not what I was. Yes. Can you say amen to that? Yes. Yes, that's who we are. And I want us to live that out all week. Now listen, we're going to close. We're going to close our service with a time of communion. So uh, if you wanted to participate, you got a little communion kit on the way in. If somehow we missed you, would you please raise your hand and we will get you one of these if you would like to take communion. And we're going to do it a little differently this morning. Um, If you would peel off the top layer, and I know that can be hard to do. I'm struggling with that myself. Maybe you could come back next week and I'll have mine done. (laughs) Oh, I got it. All right. No, I didn't get it. I got the wrong one. Thank you, Gail, for helping the helpless. That's so awesome. Three-second rule. All right. Now back to communion. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed and the night before he was crucified, he said to his closest followers, I want you to take this bread and I want all of you to eat from it because it represents my body that's going to be brutally broken for you. And in that moment, they couldn't understand what was about to unfold. But we have the benefit of hindsight, and we know that the next day, Jesus' body would be brutally beaten, and he would have nails driven through his hands and feet, and eventually a spear thrust into his side. And Jesus said, I don't want you to ever forget that your salvation cost me a broken body. So this morning, we're going to eat the bread together, remembering the body of Christ. 
Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, in this moment, we are so mindful that it was your human body that was sacrificed, that was broken, that was brutally treated so that we could be saved, for it's by your stripes we are healed. So we eat this bread in your honor this morning. Amen. Let's eat together. Okay, let's take the cup. In that same meal, when Jesus asked his closest followers to remember his broken body, Jesus reminded them that all the way through Scripture, there was a constant thread that connected the blood, either of a human being or an animal, any living being, that there was a connection between the blood and its life and that when the blood is lost the life is gone and Jesus said to them I want you to remember that my blood is going to be spilled on the ground for you again they didn't know what it meant we know when Jesus was crucified, eventually the blood flowed from his body. It spilt on the ground. It flowed down his forehead from the crown of thorns. It flowed from his hands and his feet. And eventually it was water and blood that flowed from his side when it was pierced. And Jesus said, this blood of mine is the blood that establishes my final will and testament for the human race. I have a will. It has no power today. Thank God because I'm still here. It has no power until my life ends. You and I live under what is called the New Testament or the New Covenant that God made with people. And Jesus said, it will go into effect when my blood, my lifeblood, is spilled on the ground. And the moment I die, the new covenant now governs the people of this world. And Jesus said, I don't want you to ever forget that this is the new covenant in my blood. Lord Jesus, we hold in our hands the cup that represents the new covenant established in your blood. And we remember it today together. And we drink it in your honor. Amen. Let's drink together. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.